We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 680 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Wednesday, October 18th, 2023. Will we on this Wednesday get another mantra from Commander's Head Coach Ron Rivera? It was last Wednesday, October 11th, that we learned that our guy Ron had presented his team with the mantra, do your job. And sure enough, the Manders did their job. They snapped Their three-game losing streak with the 24-16 win at the Atlanta Falcons this past Sunday afternoon. Now, perhaps the mantra aligning with the win was just correlation as opposed to causation. But hey, why stop a good thing? And so is Ron on this Wednesday on which the Commanders are beginning their practice week for their next game, the game at the New York Giants this Sunday afternoon at 1 going to tell us about another mantra. Does Ron have another goodie in store for us? Or is Ron perhaps sticking with the same mantra? Is do your job now a thing for the rest of this season? Or is there no mantra? We shall see. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast for which we have the following mantra. We follow Washington DC area sports so that you don't have to, okay? Following sports is work, okay? Let's be honest about this. (laughs) Let us do the work for you. Uh, Good to have you with us on what was, as of Tuesday evening, the number 72 podcast in the country on Apple Podcasts in the ultra-competitive, ultra-stack category of U.S. football. The U.S. football category on Apple Podcasts is a jungle, man, to be top 75 in the country in that U.S. football category, which features who knows how many thousands of podcasts, uh, is great and is a credit to you. So thank you. And as a reward to you, uh, I have not one, but two terrific guests on this installment of the pod. Next segment, Commander's Insider, Ben Standing of The Athletic, a regular guest on this podcast this Commander's season. Ben is going to spend some time with us talking about a variety of items with our team. Uh, Ben and I are going to talk about quarterback Sam Howell. Is he by far the number one positive for the team this season? I say yes. What say Ben? Uh, also, have we reached the point at which we are past the threat of Sam being benched 
for performance this season. Has Sam done enough to warrant the leash of being the team's QB1 for the rest of this season, regardless of how he plays. Additionally, Ben is going to answer whether Cornelius Lucas and not Andrew Wiley should be the commander's starting right tackle. Uh, Ben is going to address what Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon said in response to a question from Ben about receiver Jahan Dodson. Ben is going to give us his thoughts on the benching of corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr. and more. Ben standing next segment. And then after that, we are going to get a detailed scouting report on the commander's opponent this Sunday afternoon, the Giants, from Nick Falato. He is the co-host of the Big Blue Banter podcast, which is an all-22 film-based pod about the Giants. Uh, Nick knows the Giants exceptionally well, is really good at talking X's and O's. He will explain why the Giants have been so bad so far this season, including something that Commander's defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio helped to expose about quarterback Daniel Jones. And as a bonus, I'm going to get Nick's take on another Nick, Commander Center and ex-Giant Nick Gates. Uh, By the way, the Giants on Tuesday placed offensive lineman Josh Izudu on the reserve injured list. Josh Izudu had been the Giants' starting left tackle with their number one left tackle, Andrew Thomas, out since suffering a hamstring injury in the Giants' 40 (laughs) nothing home loss to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football in Week 1. So the Giants will be down to their third left tackle option for this game against the Commanders. The edge defenders, Montez Sweat and Chase Young, better be feasting this Sunday afternoon. Josh Azudu, by the way, went to North Carolina. He was a starting offensive lineman during Sam Howell's time as UNC's QB1. Uh, quick college football note, another win for Liberty. The Flames improved to 7-0 and overall, 5-0 and in Conference USA, a 42-35 win over Middle Tennessee at Williams Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia on Tuesday night. Liberty's offense continues to be so good. The Flames in this game, 541 total net yards of offense. You could tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Joe on Commander's Assistant Head Coach slash Offensive Coordinator Eric Bienemy. And on the team's offensive line, writes Joe, I was not sold on Eric Bienemy at all when he was hired. With Patrick Mahomes at quarterback and Andy Reid calling the plays in Kansas City, how can any offensive coordinator mess that up? Well, I am eating crow now. If Eric is not promoted to head coach, he will leave next year. His impact on Sam Howell and the rest of the team will be limited by this offensive line, but I love Eric. He has some iron chic qualities. (laughs) And regarding the offensive line, next year, the commanders need to invest heavily in the offensive line. They need to trade up in the draft and take all offensive linemen. The team also needs to find the next Jim Hannafin or Joe Bugle. It's so sad that we lost both of those guys in 2020. I know that all of this is a tall order in part because coaches like Hannafin and Bugle are so rare. We were so blessed to have them. Thank you for the email, Joe. Uh, yeah, you know, the Commanders had a very well-regarded offensive line coach in John Matsko in each of the last three seasons, 2020 through 2022, but the Commanders this past offseason parted with Matsko. Uh, the Commanders this past September 5th officially announced the promotion of assistant offensive line coach Travell Wharton 
to offensive line coach. There are many good offensive linemen who are non first round pick. So a team to build a good offensive line should not have to have an offensive line that is filled with first round picks. But it does stand out that Washington has spent just one first round pick on an offensive lineman over the last 13 NFL drafts. Brandon Sheriff. I said Brandon Sheriff. Brandon Sheriff. Thank you, Commissioner Goodell. Brandon Scherf, who the Redskins took with the number five overall pick in the 2015 NFL Draft, drafted him as a right tackle, then moved him to right guard just a few days into 2015 training camp. But that is the only instance of Washington spending a first-round pick on an offensive lineman over the last 13 NFL Drafts. Uh, The Skins took left tackle Trent Williams with the number four overall pick in the 2010 Draft. Email from Rob. On Sam Howell, writes Rob, Al, you are the best at breaking down the highlights of press conferences. I get more out of them from you than I do listening to them. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Rob. Continues, Rob. Topic for debate and prediction. Who will be better, Sam Howell or Kurt Cousins? (laughs) I think that Sam is Taylor Heineke with a big arm. Whatever you think of Taylor, not one person could dispute that the moment was ever too big for Taylor or that he was ever afraid. I think that Sam is the same. Sam, I am, Al. Uh, Thank you for the email, Rob. Yes, Kurt Cousins. Not Kirk Cousins. Kurt Cousins, as former Skins president Bruce Allen used to call Kirk. Yes, thank you. That actually is Bruce Allen saying Kurt instead of Kirk. That is a quick one, uh, but that is Brucey saying Kurt, not Kirk. Kurt. There you go, Brucey. Thank you. Uh, The Sam Howell-Kirk Cousins comp actually is one that I have brought up before, mainly because Kirk is what we want Sam to be, a quarterback taken out of day three of an NFL draft who proves to be a franchise quarterback. Uh, The Skins took Kirk in the fourth round of the 2012 NFL draft in a pick that was ripped (laughs) by so many fans and members of the media at the time, but in a pick that turned out to be brilliant. Uh, And the Commanders took Sam in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft in a pick that right now looks rather good and perhaps will prove to be brilliant. Uh, I'll say this about Sam versus Kirk. Sam has more upside than Kirk had. Sam has a stronger arm. Sam is more mobile. Uh, Sam has a chance to be really good. He has got to get better at avoiding sacks. We all know that. But the talent is there, the moxie is there, and hopefully the processing acumen is there. One of Kirk's biggest strengths is his processing acumen, his ability to correctly and quickly diagnose where to throw the football given the defense. Uh, Sam has shown signs of processing acumen. I mean, his decisions of where he throws balls are almost always correct. I think that those sacks on which he takes too long to make a decision are more about him waiting for guys to get open and or wanting to make the big play as opposed to being bad at processing what's happening. You actually could argue that Sam in those instances is over-processing, that he needs to trust his eyes and mind more and just go with something. Well, the way to go, if you are looking for tickets to a Commander's game, or a Capitals game, or a Wizards game, or a Maryland football game, or a Navy football game, or whatever, is the Game Time app. 
Download the GameTime app and use the promo code ALGALDI to save yourself some money. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the GameTime app. GameTime offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee. So you no longer have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. The game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about game time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team, venue, or artist. Uh, I was just on game time looking at tickets for Commander's Games in the 2023 regular season. A lot of good deals, and the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting super easy. Game time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. Game time is the app for last minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game time also offers flash deals on tickets and tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Get the tickets without the stress with Game Time, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use this promo code, Al Galdi. You use that promo code, Al Galdi, you get $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms do apply, but download the Game Time app, create that account, and use the promo code, Al Galdi, for $20 off your first purchase. What time is it? It's game time. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, we all love the NFL, and we all love pizza. So make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like picking players for your fantasy team, only with Little Caesars pizza you never lose. And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza.
Well, there are many ways for an NFL team to make the playoffs. One of the most surefire ways is to do well in division games. The second of the Commander's six NFC East games this regular season is this Sunday afternoon. The 3-3 three and three Commanders at the 1-5 New York Giants this Sunday afternoon at 1. The Commanders are coming off their 24-16 win at the Atlanta Falcons this past Sunday afternoon. A game in which our team, wait for it, did its job. <laughs> Do your job, as head coach Ron Rivera said last week. Well, someone who Ron would never have to tell to do his job is the man who joins me now, Commander's Insider Ben Standig of The Athletic. Uh, ben and I this Commander's season have an arrangement, an alliance, uh, by which we are appearing on each other's podcast. So one week he's on my podcast, the next week I'm on his podcast. Ben does an awesome job covering the Commanders. Uh, he also is the host of a podcast, the Standing Room Only Podcast. And you can follow Ben on Twitter, on X, at Ben Standing. Uh, hey Ben, am I right in saying that Ron would never have to tell you to do your job? Well, you know, it's funny now that you say that. I was just thinking about this. You know, when I got to The Athletic in 2019, at that point, I had been covering more Wizards than I had Redskins at that time and things like Georgetown. And I wasn't mentally ready to give all that up when I went to the Commanders or to, to The Athletic to cover the football. So the first like year or so, I was like, I still was going to the Wizards. I wasn't asked to. I was just still doing it. <laughs> I would still like focus on Georgetown. There were a couple of times the bosses had to be like, Hey, uh, if you want to go, I can't tell you to not go, but just to be clear, you got to write about this thing. If there's anything else. Well, we'll see. But just to be clear, so eventually, especially once like the post John wall era happened with the wizards and Georgetown fell apart under Patrick Ewing, it became easier to just focus on the, on the C plus when, all the really bad juju with Dan Snyder started to come out. I it wasn't even much of a choice. It was a it was a full time job for sure. <laughs> you know, hearing you mention the Wizards, I'm reminded of something that I've wondered. We've had all of the talk for more than three years now about the name issue with the Commanders, but what about the name issue with the Wizards? I so think that they should go back to being the Bullets. I know that I'm not alone in that opinion. Do you think that we'll ever see the Wizards go back to being the Bullets? I assume at this point it's never going to happen, right? It's just been so long. Like this topic with this, with the football team is so fresh. It just happened. Uh, you know, we, we can still remember Jason Wright and Doug Williams' awkward uh, introduction on the Today Show, right? The, the, the bullets, though, it's just been forever. For the people like you and me who are old enough, you know, there's the nostalgia there. But you know, what has it been? Twenty years or more? I don't. know. Uh, that the, you know, the younger generation, they don't know any better. I mean, the Wizards, unfortunately, is just a particularly uninspiring name, and Bullets was what we knew, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen at this point. To me, Wizards is worse than Commanders. The first season of Wizards was the 1997-1998 season. Here we are 26 years later, and the name Wizards still is not well-regarded. Uh, although the team having uh, not gotten past the second round of the NBA playoffs since 1979 uh, has something to do with that. All right, uh, this Ron Rivera mantra of do your job that debuted last week. Do you think that the mantra was directed at a particular position group or portion of the team, or was the mantra truly for the entire team? It's a great question. It's a fun question. I don't know definitively, but I guess if I had this guess, you know, I kind of wonder about the defensive line, because like to me, 
you know, the most if you if you if you look at my optimism for this team on a chart, you know, we 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 love charts in this era of uh, covering sports. After the Denver game, mine. My uh, optimism for the defense was really going up, up, up. And not because, I mean, look, the Denver game, they gave up over 30 points, but there were stretches where they were the opposing unit, where they really turned the game around, as we saw against Arizona as well. And that's what this defensive line needs to do, not just because this team is structured in a way that the that this group needs to be on defense, the, the leading force. But also the investment, you know, four first-round picks, the money paid to two of the defensive tackles, all that, and and even the depth. Like it's the one position on the group on the uh, team where there's like legitimate depth. Where even if one guy were to go out, it's not a complete oh no, now what? And and then in the last next three games, it started going the wrong way, right? And and uh, you know, I looked at some of this today. Like yes, they use a lot of the cinco package this game against Atlanta, and it worked. They only played three more snaps in a five-man front than they did against the Bears, and it did not work at all uh, in in that game. So I do think that the line play, it seemed to me, and I have not fully watched the tape yet, so apologies for that, but like it does feel to me that they were more cohesive, more disciplined collectively in this Atlanta game than they were against the Bears. So if I had to say, I would say that, but obviously it's an important message. It's a little of a hokey message. But at the same point, you know, it is a little bit of a reminder to say, hey, I got to do what I got to do. And we'll just have to worry. Everybody else does the same thing. And we should be in a better spot. Something that I talked about on Tuesday's show, episode 679, was the possibility that maybe just maybe Washington this regular season will not fall into a substantial hole. Uh, Something that, of course, happened in each of Ron Rivera's first three seasons as the team's head coach. Now, I guess you could say that being two and three was a hole, but to me, a substantial hole for an NFL team in a regular season is more like being at least two games under 500. Uh, If I say to you right now, make a bet regarding whether the commanders will be at least two games under 500 at any point this regular season. Is Ben Standig betting his millions on yes or no to that prop bet? Um, my millions. Um, boy, I, I don't think I would say yes. I mean, right. Okay. So right now that would mean, you know, kind of have to lose two in a row at some point. And obviously the, the, you know, part of the reason why the bears lost to me was so demoralizing. If you're a commander's fan and maybe inside the organization, it wasn't just that you lost to a team that had lost 14 in a row and was, and got, you know, smacked by them. It's that if you look at the overall schedule, this three-game stretch, the Bears, the Falcons, the Giants, is probably the quote-unquote easiest part of their schedule that they're going to have going forward because down the line, another matchup with the Eagles, two games against Dallas, um, the 49ers, Miami. You know, These are teams that are looking to be legit playoff contenders. And I'm probably forgetting a, a, a team or two off the top of my head. Uh, and so, I mean, the... I, I know, I can't say the Jets, but you know. Um, but th- th- they're going to likely lose more of those games than they're going to win, so this is where they needed to make up ground. So um, if they win two out of three against the Giants, it, it, basically I guess if they beat the Giants, maybe it's a little more complicated to, to not to, to get to, to two games under. You lose to the Giants, which obviously they've done a lot in recent head-to-head matchups, 
then I think then I think the two going to be being two games under five hundred is much more likely. So I don't want to pin it all on this Giants game, but yeah, I mean they're just they're one of many teams in the league that is just incredibly inconsistent, and there's no they're just meh. Um, we may overvalue the level of meh here because it's the team we watch the most. Uh, you know, Atlanta. I'm sure Sunday night, Monday morning, their their fan base was like you know their Al Galdi was saying, "You got to be kidding me here." You know what what is happening? How are you losing to this team? So. You know, there's a lot of that, so I don't know. I guess I'll say if they beat the Giants, no. If they lose to the Giants, yes. It's funny. This game at the Giants feels like a must-win for the Commanders. Well, yeah, and, and this is the thing. You know, I saw some people say, hey, can't anybody be happy about that out there? You won the game. Be happy. I think this is the difference between if you're a sugar-high fan or you're a lifestyle-different, you, you've changed your lifestyle fan. If you're a sugar-high fan, and every win is going to feel great. And you're going to feel like, why not us? And that's fine. Do you do you. But the problem is, this is the year everybody's looking for, should be, in my view, looking for legitimate changes. Legitimate, like, it isn't just, you know, that one day was great. It's just, you know, you're getting up in the morning. You're meditating. You're, you're going out for a walk. You're eating right. You're driving past McDonald's and driving to uh, Whole Foods or something. I don't know. Um and, and that's the part where I think it's lacking. Yes, they're three and three. It is the best record in the four years under Ron Rivera at this point of a season. But it doesn't feel different yet. It feels as if it's just we're we're witnessing a team that's you know had some breaks, maybe go their way to get to three and three, but it's not very different. And that's the whole point. Like I don't you know I don't want to say like it's all about what Josh Harris thinks, but it is right. I mean, if, if where is this going? And I don't see any evidence to suggest that things are changing, really, it's just they're three and three instead of being two and four or whatever. So I think that's the part where, you know, yeah, I mean, if they if things don't evolve in, in significant ways, and this is, by the way, the crazy part is this is with Sam Howell playing well. I would have said if we were questioning anything, the point would have been, well, the young quarterback just isn't ready. The sacks part, which is notable, aside, he's played fairly well, you know? So it's not like it's him. It's just, it's just like it's still just they're in the middle somewhere, and that's not particularly inspiring. Much more with Ben Standing in moments. We're going to next talk Sam Howell, who, as you may have heard, has uh, taken some sacks this season. Uh, if you have been harmed by the negligence of someone else in a way that Sam has been harmed by sacks, although thankfully Sam seems to be doing all right, uh, but know that the law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. The law firm of Paulson and Nace is always there for you. Call 202-902-7611, and when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical, and his or her counsel or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. 
Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region, and Paulson and Nace has won millions of dollars for clients. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged, but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You also can visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. But don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. More now with Commander's Insider, Ben Standing of The Athletic, the starting quarterback for the Commanders, Sam Howell. You know, he, even with his major sack problem, is having a good season, considering that he has made just seven career NFL regular season starts. Is it wrong to say that Sam is, by far, the biggest positive to this Commander's season so far? Yeah, I, think, I, I mean, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that's even like, borderline close i i think i think it is yeah i mean i guess if you want to sort of get geeked up about chase young's pressure numbers of us <laughs> but um, considering the original investment you know but yeah like i've reached a point with sam how where i'm not w- watching him like all right he's you know he's 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 back up on his feet is he going to be a little more stable watching the little baby is he going to be able to you know make it across the room now i'm like oh okay he knows how to walk. He knows where he's going. He's doing it with some purpose. And now you just got to, you know, the finer points. Think, you know, don't put your fingers in the outlet, you know, things like that. Uh, so I think he's doing much better. Yes, the sack thing remains an issue. And I wrote about that uh, for Tuesday on The Athletic. But beyond beyond that, yeah, I mean, you know, we've seen some incredible throws. He had a you know season that occurred high, three touchdown passes in his last game. Um, it's just experience, I feel like, for the most part, with him along with the sacks issue, as opposed to thinking, oh, no. like, like with Desmond Ritter, I don't watch every Atlanta game. That one feels to me like, oh boy, I don't know. This guy, you know, I, I don't, I don't see it. For how, other than that terrible Buffalo game, he's been pretty solid to good. So I, I, I yeah, I've been impressed so far. You and I are on the same page with Sam Howell. We want him as the Commanders QB one for the entirety of this season, regardless of performance. Do you think that Rod Rivera? And assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy have seen enough good from Sam to where him being benched this season for performance will not be happening, or are we not at that point? At least not yet. Well, I, I would say we're not there yet, solely because you know losing two in a row is out there, or three out of four, you know, at certain parts of the of the schedule and. Like, even in this game, last game, right? I mean, it's not, you know, I thought this was the game in which the sacks felt more on Sam Howe than even in some of the other ones. Um, and some of the data should suggest that there were three of the five sacks where he had the ball at least 4.2 seconds. They only allowed five sacks of that with a 4.2 second time to throw uh, in the first 29 sacks. And, you know, if this doesn't fix or this doesn't, you know, get to you know, worse, you know, they may have, they may look at it and say, Hey, for the, you know, we think we're a good enough team, but these things keep derailing us. You know, we saw Washington gets a 24, 10 lead. They didn't, it's not that they just didn't score the rest of the game. They, but they didn't even really move the ball at all on each, each series in which he took a sack, you know, led to nothing. The sacks were, 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 were big blows for sure. So I guess there's that, but again, at, 
one point does you know does does the ownership group step in and say, hey, you guys do what you need to do, but just to be clear, we really like Al, and we think we want to, we'd like to see more of him. You do what you think you need to do, but I mean, you know, you know, I think that's the question. Um, so I would say it's logic likely how plays out the year, but you know, there could be a point if the defense actually starts, you know, holding teams under twenty, they butt the sacks keep stifling the overall progress maybe but that that it would probably take something like that you mentioned your piece for the athletic that came out on tuesday morning headline quote sam howell commander sack problem far from fixed and might be getting worse end quote a rather ominous headline uh interesting nugget in the piece pro football focus attributes just 14 of the 34 sacks that sam has taken this regular season to blockers uh for comparison's sake PFF for the 2022 regular season attributed 33 of 48 sacks allowed by the commanders to blockers. Uh, That said, we know that the commander's offensive line can be better. Now, a major bright spot in the win at the Falcons was Cornelius Lucas. He was the commander's starting left tackle due to Charles Leno Jr. being inactive due to a family situation. Lucas in the game for PFF did not allow a single pressure over 29 pass blocking snaps. All that Lucas has done over four seasons with Washington is play well when called upon. Do you think that the commanders should have Lucas as the starting right tackle over Andrew Wiley? I think if they want to do that, if they just think making a change would would give some sort of a spark, sure. But, you know, I think for me, the best example or the best analogy is with an NBA one, because we see this all the time with teams where you see a guy come off the bench, plays 10 or 12 minutes, just like, whoa, what is this guy doing? This guy is, why is he playing 10 or 12 minutes? This guy's an all-star. He looks amazing. What's going on? And then he gets out there for 20 to 30 minutes, and you're like, oh, okay. Now, all of a sudden, he's getting exposed. He's not just coming in playing the reserves of the other team. He's playing starters, and they're exploiting his whatever lack of defense. He can't dribble left, whatever that might be. And now, all of a sudden, you realize why he's a 10 to 12-minute kind of a guy. I just feel like with Lucas, you know, this is his fourth season here. He's always come off the bench. He was a free agent at one point, and he came back here to be the backup again. I just don't feel like the cons- the view is that he is a consistent enough difference-making kind of a, a starter. Not difference-making like Trent Williams, but just like putting him in is really going to lead to great results over time. And, and I, I, I talked about this on my podcast yesterday with, with the notion of depth. Because we talked all about it the last couple of weeks. You want change? Cool. Point. Tell me where the depth is. Tell me where you're looking to see what changes you would make that would be significant? And in this game, a Lucas steps up. A Danny Johnson steps up. Um, you know, other guys off the bench. And people were saying to me, hey, I thought you said they have no depth. Well, all these guys are professionals and can play in the NFL level. It's not a matter of can they help you at a time. It's can they help you long term. Can they help you week after week after week in a real difference-making way? And typically, the guys who are coming off the bench, except for the, the kids, have shown the answer to be no, which isn't to say that they're not helpful. It's just to say, I don't know if the ultimately it's going to matter that much. And that's kind of, I guess, ultimately where I fall at Lucas. I, I, you know, is he better than Andrew Wiley? I, I don't know. I'll leave that up to the, you know, the offensive line gurus. But in terms of just, I, I think the evidence is there to say probably no. And over time, maybe for a couple games, but over time, probably not. 
I want to get your takes on what's going on with the Commanders' last two first-round picks. Two number 16 overall picks, in fact. Uh, The man who the team took with the number 16 overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, receiver Jahan Dotson. Very disappointing season so far. Uh, Jahan, for this regular season, just 17 receptions for just 140 yards and a touchdown on 31 targets. He, over the last three games, has had two bad drops. Uh, You on Monday afternoon, during Ron Rivera's day after the game press conference, asked Ron about what he's seeing from Jahan right now. Here was that exchange in its entirety. With regards to Jahan, obviously, you know, everybody can't get all the catches every game, but obviously his production has been uh, off of last year. What are you kind of seeing with him right now? I think it's just a matter of time. I mean, again, as, as we continue to work and, and, and try and, you know, distribute the ball to, to, to all the players, you know, it, it'll happen. It's just one of those things that, you know, sometimes um, guys will be targeted more. I mean, I promise you, back in the day, you know, when, when Gary Clark, Art Monk, and you know, Ricky Sanders were out there for, for Coach Gibbs. You know, you guys were probably wondering, well, how come he only got three balls and everybody else got six or seven? I mean, it's, it's going to happen. And, and so when a guy's not getting the balls right now, it, it's just a matter of time. And I think that's the thing we all have to be patient with. I mean, it, you know, this is a good group of receivers. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, they're, they're that group, but they're a good group. And we're going to distribute the ball, you know, based on game plans and who our opponents are. And again, it starts with the quarterback's decision making, too. All right. What'd you think of Ron's answer to your question? He basically said, well, I loved when he said, you know, you guys would have, you guys probably said that when Gary Clark or Art Monk or Ricky <laughs> yeah. Sanders only had one target, like, at, and the other, the other guys were getting them all, what's up with that? And I was thinking to myself, you can be half the people on the beat weren't even born when that was going on. And I was all, uh, still in high school or whatever. So I don't think I was thinking in those exact terms. But look, there is something to be said for, the ball just everybody can't get the ball and no matter what we think of Sam I'm uh, sorry Jahan Dodson it is a new quarterback in Sam Howell and we see this all the time quarterbacks have their preferences in terms of routes maybe they just feel more comfortable with certain players and then you have the coordinators right I mean earlier this year Dodson said that maybe he, he thought that Scott Turner probably viewed him as more of a red zone threat than Eric Bieniemy does which is not necessarily a negative it's just that's not how they view the the, the player um Per per se, so I, I I don't think it's on Jahan necessarily. Although, like I know earlier in the year when I looked at some of his separation numbers, it didn't seem to be particularly um, impressive. But yeah, I think it's the combination of where Sam is looking, what the enemy is calling. You know, it's just not making him effective. Also, like you know, Curtis Samuel's been pretty pretty good this year. Not getting a huge volume, but he's. I think I saw he was like third in catch percentage, you know, the number of catches per target, like in the whole league, he got a touchdown this week. The running backs are more involved in the passing game, right, to to an extent than they were. So maybe there's just some of that where he's the odd man out right now. But, yeah, I, you got to wonder, right? It's ironic. By the way, you know, it's typical Al Goldley negative, right? Here we go. You, you want to talk about the two first-round picks that aren't playing well. What about Jamin Davis' first-round pick? It's, not, you know, hey, game-saving interception. Come on, Al. Was great to see that, and hopefully the man who the Commanders took with the number 16 overall pick in the 2023 draft corner, Emmanuel Forbes Jr., gets better as linebacker Jamin Davis has gotten better. But off Forbes in the win at the Falcons, not playing at all due to being benched, do you expect him to play at the Giants? And if not, how likely is Forbes being inactive given that he doesn't play on special teams? Well, it is funny, right? Like, 
the game of Quan Martin finally, the second round pick finally plays some defensive snaps. The first and third round pick were the only two non quarterbacks to not play a single snap in the game. Stromberg is not on special teams either. And Forbes, yeah, you can't throw him out there in special teams running down the field in either direction. Um, you know, he's going to get wiped out by one of these guys, you know, running full speed down the field with bad intentions. I wasn't surprised, I guess, that he didn't play knowing that it felt like they were going to go with Danny Johnson more. And I guess, you know, I guess in my head, it, 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 uh, it always feels like there's a little more uh, liberal substitution going on with the secondary, even though we know typically three, or, you know, just like three of those guys often play every snap. So it's not like there's really that much opportunity there. But yeah, it's look, what didn't happen this week? The Atlanta did not make splash plays down the field. What happened the previous two weeks? Nothing but those, right? Is it just on Forbes? Well, I can't say that, but similar to when William Jackson got benched last year, uh, um, those things started to to disappear. So, you know, to the point we talked about earlier, they got to find a way to stay stay relevant, to stay in the mix. Maybe that's the short-term sugar high fix, but in the long run, Sitting your first round pick doesn't feel like a good way to go. Um, I've I've always advocated for more Danny Johnson. I never understand why it always takes a catastrophe to get the guy on the field. And again, I'm not saying he's Daryl Green, but once again, he goes out there, and I don't think anybody today is going, "Boy, how the, why is that guy in the league?" You know. So I, I don't know what Del Rio's ideal is. You know, maybe it's just too risky. He thinks right now that that Forbes does that off to trust him. By the way, Quan Martin only played seven snaps. It's not like he, you know. He was out there a ton, so you know your first three picks played a combined seven snaps on any in any part of the game. Again, that goes back to where this this whole off season has really been kind of dicey for them. But uh, yeah, the Forbes thing is going to be fascinating. You mentioned the Commanders' defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio. We know that Jack has a lot of power with the defense. That Ron Rivera largely leaves Jack alone with the defense. A decision as big as the benching of Emmanuel Forbes was that a Ron decision? Or was that a Jack decision? You know, I generally assume it's probably a Del Rio call. I mean, you know, Rivera, for better or for worse, watching all aspects of his leadership here, you know, he, he seems always as more of a CEO than like a dictator, the way that we can, like a Bill Belichick might be or some other coaches around the league. So I imagine Del Rio was like, hey, I think this is what we need to do. And Rivera probably, you know, recognizing the concerns said, go, go for it. I, I, you know, there have been times like back in say the Scott Turner era where it felt like there were games where they ran the ball more probably because Rivera put his thumb on the scale a little bit, but in general, I just feel like he's, Hey, you know, this is why you're here. And Del Rio, you know, <laughs> like with everybody in this team, every, everything is a constant, you know, one day you're up one day you're down, you know, the defense was pretty good last year. It was really good. Obviously in 2020, you got to give him, Credit for that, and, and ding him when they've been when, when they've been negative. But you know, Atlanta moved the ball a lot, but they only scored the sixteen points. The defense got three picks late, and again, Atlanta. Like the whole point of the of, of the way NFL defenses are playing these days is keep the ball in front of you, make the team drive, a, use a lot of plays to get down the field, and eventually hope they make a mistake. Atlanta did that repeatedly in this game. So yeah, I, I, I um, yeah, I mean. Um, I, I think ultimately he's only, he's kind of leaving these things up to Del Rio, and at least yesterday, or on Sunday, I should say, sorry, it uh, it worked out. 
It's interesting to me, benching a first-round rookie so soon is really significant. I wonder on how many other NFL teams such a decision would not be made by the head coach. And maybe the benching of Emmanuel Forbes was decided on by Ron Rivera. But if not, that would seem to be unique, the defensive coordinator making such a decision. I, I, yeah, I think the one thing I wonder about, like I always say, in the post-O.J. Simpson world, I never pretend I know who any of these people are, which isn't to say that I think we'll see Emmanuel Forbes up for uh, on trial at some point. I just mean to say I only see them in the locker room and post-game or what they present on social media. So it's hard to always know what's going on for real or behind closed doors. In Forbes' case, like, he has remained fairly confident, it feels like, from a body language perspective, the way he talks to us. He doesn't say a lot of words. He's, he went to the Duran Payne School of Efficiency when talking to reporters. But, you know, he seems like he's maintained a certain level of confidence. And I wonder if behind the scenes, the coaches find that to be, hey, you do understand things aren't working, right? Like, it's one thing to stay confident, but it's another thing to, you know, act like it's not a big deal. Now, I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just thinking about it as I'm watching this person presenting himself to me, that maybe there's some of that happening. And that's why they were willing to. Um, to do this, but look, I mean, look, I, I think there were people who thought if they lose the, this Atlanta game, who knows, maybe people are getting fired. I, I don't personally think anybody's getting fired until the end of the year, should that even happen, because that's a whole other can of worms we get into if you want, but um, but maybe they did, maybe they thought, hey, we, 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 we can't afford to lose this game, but maybe they, they looked at it the way we just said. These are the games to, to make up ground. You lose these games, and we could probably write off a winning record, uh, you know. So maybe they're just like, hey, we have to deal with this now. We'll get back to him later. Yeah, it was good to hear Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon praise Emmanuel Forbes for how he has handled being benched. So hopefully Forbes is responding well to his situation. Commander's insider, Ben Standing of The Athletic. You see, an O.J. Simpson reference. You never know what you'll get from Ben on this podcast. Uh, Well, Ben, perhaps you and I (laughs) are the O.J. Simpson and Al Cowlings of Washington, D.C. sports podcast. I'll meet you at the White Ford Bronco. Let's go to Mexico. What do you say? (laughs) Uh, Ben, thanks. What a depressing thought that was. Okay, Al, I appreciate the support, though, and I, I, I look, I, you need all the wingmen you can get. Thanks, man. <laughs> Al Cowling is one of the greatest wingmen ever, considering what he did for OJ. And what Al Cowlings is to wingmen, that is what Nova Fireplace and Stove is to fireplace, stove, and chimney work. <laughs> uh, Nova Fireplace and Stove is outstanding. It handles gas fireplace sales service and installation, handles gas, electric, and wood stoves, and handles a chimney cleaning and repair. If you live in Northern Virginia, stay warm and upgrade the feel and value of your home with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571 571- 513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $25 off any service or receive a free vent kit on any in-stock gas insert. Nova Fireplace and Stove, it has been around for more than 20 years. It is run by big-time Commanders fans, and it has outstanding professionals. Whatever the work that you need done requires, Nova Fireplace and Stove has. Master Gas Fitter, Master electrician, class A contractor, licensed chimney inspector. And because of this, Nova Fireplace and Stove can complete your project without the need for any subcontractors. And Nova Fireplace and Stove can pull all of the necessary county permits for the work that is being done. Additionally, Nova Fireplace and Stove can perform fireplace and chimney safety inspections. See for yourself the work 
that Nova Fireplace and Stove can do. It has a showroom in Woodbridge, Virginia, and has a terrific website, NovaFireplaceAndStove.com. And take advantage of the special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $25 off any service or receive a free vent kit on any in-stock gas insert. Join the Nova Fireplace and Stove family and experience the fireplace service and care that you deserve. Call 571-513-3803 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, the Commanders in their game at the New York Giants this Sunday afternoon at 1 are facing one of the biggest disappointments in the NFL so far this season. The Giants in going 9-7-1 in the 2022 regular season snapped a streak of five consecutive double-digit loss regular seasons. But the Giants in this 2023 regular season are just 1-5 and with an NFL worst point differential of minus 96. Uh, the Giants are coming off a respectable 14-9 loss at the Buffalo Bills this past Sunday night, but the Giants have scored 16 points or less in five of the team's six games this regular season. What's going wrong for the Giants and why? I'm very pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast, Nick Falato, co-host of the Big Blue Banter podcast, which is an all-22 film-based pod about the Giants. You can follow Nick on Twitter, on X, at Nick Filato, and Filato is spelled F-A-L-A-T-O. Hey, Nick, how are you? Al, thanks so much for having me back on, and uh, things have been better in New York Giants land. At least they were competitive in a primetime game, gave the Bills a scare, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's been rough in the streets for the New York Giants this season. Yes, it has. Uh, the biggest reason for the Giants' bad season so far is what? Biggest reason for the Giants struggling so, so far, I would say, is a, a, a regression beneath the mean. Last year, the Giants were uh, a fortunate football team who were able to win close games. They were real, really resilient. I would say they benefited from you know the, the fortune side of football. This year, it's the exact opposite. It's Murphy's Law. Everything that can go wrong will go wrong and has gone wrong for the New York Giants. And it started week one. I mean, 40 to nothing against the Dallas Cowboys after a very um, hyped offseason where the Giants added players like Darren Waller and they had a good draft. You got a center in John Michael Schmitz. You added the explosive kid from Tennessee, Jalen Hyatt. And then the Dallas Cowboys come into your building and punch you directly square in the mouth. And after a solid opening drive by the offense, the Giants had the blocked field goal that was returned to for a touchdown by Dallas. Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, ends up hurting his hamstring in that game. And we haven't really seen Andrew Thomas since then. He actually returned in that game, which was just a just wild decision by the New York Giants to put your star left tackle back out on the football field when he's dealing with something with his hamstring. Still haven't seen him. And the offensive line has been just, I would say, the impetus to this disaster right now because you're playing practice squad guys. The Giants just claimed Justin Pugh off of, um, or not even waivers, he just claimed Justin Pugh, put him on his practice squad. He ends up starting at the guard position for the Giants, and then he has to play left tackle because 
their third round pick from last year, Josh Azudu, ended up getting hurt, who was a guard. You have a guard playing center, you have a guard playing tackle. So it's been um, a rotating door on, on an already bad offensive line. And I think Daniel Jones's internal clock has been severely affected. And uh, he's the rhythm and the timing offense that they established at the end of last year. It's just not there. Right now, there is no timing. There is no rhythm. I think getting Saquon Barkley back is a big help for the New York Giants. But offensively, they haven't scored a touchdown since week three on a short field off of a run from backup running back Matt Breida. It's just been field goal, field goal, field goal. That's offensive touchdowns. They had a pick six against the Miami Dolphins with Jason Pinnock. So nothing has gone right for the New York Giants. The schedule is much harder than it was last year as well, where the Giants went 4-0 and against an AFC South team. They're playing the NFC East this season, and it's uh, it's just been, it's been pretty rough, man. But it, there's a lot. It's a confluence of, uh, of um, just uh, situations that have not gone the New York Giants' way. I think a lot of it does stem from the offensive line, but it's also bigger than that. I think the operation from the New York Giants has also been bad, just coaching-wise, time management, and things of that nature. It just hasn't been nearly as crisp as it was last season. Quarterback Daniel Jones, I know that he missed the loss at the Bills due to a neck injury. We'll see if he plays against the Commanders this Sunday afternoon. But given the Giants' offensive line problems, what's your evaluation of Jones' season? It hasn't been good this season at all. Um, I would say Daniel Jones, this takes back to last year, He's a limited quarterback. He's he's uh he's always been a limited quarterback. The Giants don't threaten every part of the football field with Daniel Jones that quarterback. I, I like Daniel Jones and his toughness, his resilience, who he is as a um in terms of like how he gets up after every hit. He, he uses his legs, his athletic ability is one of his his strengths. He can run an offense to the short side of the field. You give him half field reads put a defender in conflict, whatever the defender does, you make him pay by throwing to the uh, the other wide receiver that are, that is in his area if he covers, say, another running back out of the flat or what have you. But he's not going to throw to the far hash. He's not going to challenge teams up the sidelines from that far hash. And Jack Del Rio, honestly, was the, was the defensive coordinator last year when you were watching on tape. Whenever the ball was on the far hash, if you go back, you watch the All-22, you'll see the the cornerback or the defensive player who was responsible for covering the field side, the wide side, he was responsible for a ton of space because Jack Del Rio knew the Giants weren't going to challenge the sideline from that far hash. So that just left Jack Del Rio the option to allocate more coverage players to different parts of the field that the Giants typically do look at. So you don't see explosive plays. The Giants had the successful season last year. They made the playoffs. Giants were dead last in explosive plays last year on the offensive side of the football. And a lot of those were still Saquon Barkley runs. So I understand why the Giants gave him the $40 million contract. I think they were in a tough spot. I don't think you could have let him walk at that time. You had no more options. The Giants were riding high after a playoff win, the first playoff win since the last Super Bowl victory against the New England Patriots. But at the end of the day, he is a limited quarterback. I think in a great situation, he can operate an offense and he can win some football games with Daniel Jones. But you get paid $40 million a year now. You need to see a step up in the right direction. We need to see some progress. And we have seen nothing but regression from here. And again, I do believe a lot of that is the offensive line. But $40 million is a lot of money, Al. 
It sure is. Uh, the Giants this past March re-signing Daniel Jones to a four-year contract with $81 million guaranteed at signing. They this past offseason did not franchise tag Jones. They instead franchise tagged running back Saquon Barkley. Uh, the Giants this past July re-signed Saquon to a one-year $10.091 million contract that was a slightly enhanced version of the franchise tag tender. Was franchise tagging Saquon as opposed to Jones the right way to go? I do think it's the right way to go, and it's really just come down to the market and the quarterback position. Look, the Giants gave Daniel Jones this contract. You can get out of it after two years. Had to push a little bit of it back. You can get out of it after two years. But they gave him the contract with the presence of mind that Daniel Jones would take another step in his development. He's a 26-year-old kid. He is the first guy in, last guy out. Everyone in the building absolutely adores and loves Daniel Jones. And you had a bunch of other quarterbacks who were going to be we're about to reset the market. And Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, you declined his fifth-year option the previous year. He led you to, to the playoffs with some really big wins, some really big, like, gotta-have-it moments early in the season against Green Bay when Saquon Barkley was hurt. He led a 99-yard drive for a touchdown. Like, he was just doing – he had, had a lot of moments like that throughout the 2022 season. And you look at what he did in 2021 when he got injured when he suffered that first neck injury, and you look at – just the first three years of his career, you don't really see a lot of that because he was surrounded by mediocrity. So you got this career year out of him. You're like, all right, let's let's bring all this back. We'll give him this. We'll leave a little bit of a space in the contract where we can get out of this realistically if he doesn't develop after two years. And I think you have to kind of sign your quarterback in that situation because the quarterback is so much more important than the running back. And then the, tr- the franchise tag on Saquon, they came to a one-year deal. And the running backs, look, man, I love Saquon Barkley. I think Saquon Barkley is an absolute stud. Saquon Barkley, what, three of the seasons he's been a New York Giant, he's been injured. He suffered through high ankle sprains, torn his ACL. So and we're seeing that this year as well. I didn't really want to sign him long-term. I think signing a running back to a long-term contract is uh, it's a precarious situation to do right now. That's an unfortunate reality. But, uh, yeah, that's where I was, and I still maintain that even though it's been a disaster for Daniel Jones this year. A lot was made of what seemed to be some uh, rather cold interaction between Daniel Jones and Giants head coach Brian Dable during the Giants' 24-3 home loss to the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football on October 2nd. I know that sideline interactions can be blown out of proportion. Are Jones and Dable okay with each other? No, I don't think there are any problems. I think they're fine. That's just like the media blowing it a little bit out of proportion. But Brian Dable is a fiery guy. He's always going to be a fiery guy. Uh, I respect that about him. Giants have had a lot of fiery coaches in their past with Tom Coughlin and Bill Parcells. Daniel Jones is the exact opposite. Guy's never really going to show you any emotion. He made a bad mistake. He had Darren Waller on the seven route, three by one, double China. Seven uh, concept in the red zone, decided to throw it to Paris Campbell, ended up being a pick six. Just, um, there was a microcosm for the 2023 New York Giants season. It was that play, but nah, I don't think there's bad blood between Dable and Jones. Much more with Nick Filato on the Giants in moments. We're going to next get into what the commanders this Sunday afternoon will be facing in the Giants defense. But what you are facing, if you go with catering by Uptown to cater a big event that you're planning 
is excellence. Uh, catering by Uptown. It is the DMV's number one catering service. Catering by Uptown is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations. And Catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that are outstanding, including venue coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a thousand delicious dish selections, and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly. From putting together and executing a menu to picking linens to selecting an excellent florist, Catering by Uptown is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations. Whether you're having a wedding or a corporate event, an intimate gathering, or a gala, Catering by Uptown is the way to go. Visit cateringbyuptown.com and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Also, know this, Catering by Uptown has job openings for the event waitstaff. No experience is necessary, and you get paid in-house training. A great opportunity if you're looking for work. Visit cateringbyuptown.com. That's cateringbyuptown.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. We're getting an in-depth look at the Commander's opponent this Sunday afternoon, the Giants, from Nick Filato, co-host of the Big Blue Banter podcast, which is an all-22 film-based pod about the Giants. Uh, the Giants' defense certainly has had problems this season, but the defense is coming off holding the uh, very potent Bills to just 14 points. There is talent on this Giants' defense. Is the defense good enough to spark a turnaround to this Giants' season? <laughs> See, I don't know if it's good enough. I think the well, it's not good enough to overcome what the offense is doing right now. You need the offense to to pick it up. You need a functional offense. They were functional on Sunday night against the Bills, and they still only scored nine points. And they got down with one yard. Look, Al, they were gifted at the end of each half pass interference, which they were legit pass interferences, but they had two pass interference calls to put the ball at the one-yard line, and then a terrible mismanagement of the clock by Brian Dable at the end of the first half, and then Tyrod Taylor checking to a run, just inexcusable stuff. But you asked about the defense, so let me get back to the defense. It started early on. Early on this season, the defense was struggling. There's a lot of new faces. The Giants went out, they got rookie Tay Banks, they signed Bobby O'Carricade at $10 million a year. You're relying on Micah McFadden to be your backup running back. Just a lot of new moving parts going on, and it wasn't great. Wink Martindale's seat started to heat up, but over the last two games, you played the Miami Dolphins, you forced three turnovers. You played the Buffalo Bills, you forced two turnovers. You kept the offense in both of those games. The defense really stepped up, and Bobby O'Carricade, he struggled a little bit early on this season. Right now, he's playing out of his mind. He's coming off of his best game as a New York Giant. I think he's getting the most out of young second-year linebacker, Micah McFadden. That tandem on early downs is, I would say, dare I say, it's kind of crazy because the Giants linebacker has been so bad for so long. This is the best linebacker tandem that we've seen in a while, and I think a lot of a big reason for that is Bobby O'Karake, but Michael McFadden has really stepped up his game in year two. Isaiah Simmons, he is a sub-package linebacker, second and six, third and six plus. He's going to be on the football field, and he offers Wink Martindale a lot of flexibility because of his athletic uh, capabilities and his range. Dexter Lawrence, look, he doesn't have a sack yet. Dexter Lawrence is an absolute stud. He's going to give Nick Gates a, a headache. <laughs> I know those two know each other very well, but Dexter Lawrence... Um, Commands double teams all the time, splits double teams. He's uh, the best player on the New York Giants as of right now, and uh, I'm sure you guys will hear his name quite often. Leonard Williams is kind of hit or miss, definitely behind Dexter Lawrence. 
right now with uh, with how he's performing on the football field. He's coming off of a solid game, though. And then the edge rushers, look, Aziz Ojolari can't get healthy. He's just he's not going to be available uh, against Washington. And then Kayvon Thibodeau hasn't probably taken a step a lot of Giant fans want him to take, but he's still a solid overall football player. So I think the offense needs to pick it up if the defense is going to carry them, but the defense is at least keeping them in football games and coming away with some turnovers. But they're still dead last in the league in sacks, man. They have five sacks. I think the next lowest team is the Texans with nine. So you need to get after the quarterback, especially for a team that blitzes as much as the the Giants do. Well, the commander, Sam Howell, who is doing a lot of good things otherwise, uh, is getting sacked at a record rate. And uh, that does include him over the team's last two games, getting sacked a bunch by two teams in the Chicago Bears and Atlanta Falcons that had not been generating many sacks prior to facing the commanders. So so, some sacks for the Giants may well be coming. Uh, How have the Giants been this season at preventing the explosive play? I wouldn't say they've been good, but um, they've, they've let up a decent amount of explosive plays. They're playing a lot of <laughs> really good football teams, though. Now, I'm not trying to make an excuse, but you went up against Tyreek Hill, who burned your six-round rookie when you left him on an island for one play because Dory Jackson had a chin strap issue. And that was uh, that was probably one of Wink's more um, questionable calls. This was recognized right away by the Dolphins, and it went for a 69-yard touchdown. And then last week, you went up against Stephon Diggs. He gave up 100 yards, 10 catches for 100 yards. He didn't give up the, the big play. Running the football has been the issue uh, for the for the Giants. I think in coverage, though, and running the football to the outside specifically, when you're going to be aligned in a too high shell, which I don't think the Giants are going to be aligned in a too high shell too frequently. Against Sam House, that might be a little bit more solidified. But against the Dolphins, it was just terrible because you are, they were aligned in a too high shell. For like 60-70% of the snaps, which is not a Wink Martindale structured defense. He is much more of a one high middle of the field closed, gap yourself out up front type of defensive coordinator. But uh, I'm looking at Jahan Dotson, I'm thinking of Terry McLaurin. Those are two really good wide receivers. Curtis Samuel seems to be having a, a very good year as well. The Giants, they can hold their own in man coverage when Tay Banks and Adore Jackson are healthy. The six-round pick, Trey Hawkins, a little bit questionable with um, with coverage. I think Cordell Flott is having a really good second year and uh, showing a lot more physicality. So, you guys will be able to hit a couple explosive plays. And I've seen Sam Howe throw it around the yard. The kid actually has a really big arm and, he, and, he, and he's not afraid to challenge every inch of the field unlike Daniel Jones. But um, I don't think your receivers are going to be running wide open. I think the Giants will um, will, will challenge them a lot. But uh, Terry McLaurin, and, I mean, those are some good guys. Final question. Uh, you mentioned Commander Center Nick Gates, uh, the former Giant. Uh, the Commanders this past March signed Gates as an unrestricted free agent to a three-year contract. Uh, the Giants signed Gates as an undrafted free agent out of Nebraska in May 2018. Uh, he spent his 2018 rookie season on the reserve injured list due to a foot injury, but he then, over the next four seasons with the Giants, 2019 through 2022, started at 29 regular season games. Uh, He is ultra competitive, does have a significant injury history, including suffering a uh, broken left fibula and tibia in Washington's 30-29 walk-off win over the Giants at FedEx Field on Thursday night football in September 2021. But what is the Nick Filato take on Nick Gates? I love Nick Gates. uh, He was the the consummate professional you wanted to be a New York Giant representing the organization very well. I mean, obviously, really resilient coming back from that week two 2021 injury that he suffered against 
the uh, Washington Commanders. That was a brutal injury. He was an undrafted guy out of what Nebraska, who was an offensive tackle. They play him at guard. They play him at center. He he can just do whatever you need him to do. And if you hit your the quarterback just a little bit after the whistle, or maybe as the whistle's going off, he's going to let you know that you're not allowed to do that. And I like that tone setting mentality. Overall, with his skill set, I think he's like a league average center, which. You can do a lot worse than a league average center, and if you need to play him at guard, he can. Ha- he has that flexibility. So I um I really like Nick Gates. I think the Giants miss Nick Gates. I don't believe they were going to give him the contract that the Washington Commanders gave him, but they could have certainly used him over the last five games with, with the injuries that they've had along their offensive line and the <laughs> musical chairs that they have played up front. I'm hoping John Michael Schmitz can be back for for this game against um against the Washington Commanders. I think they're really going to need them with uh, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and the beast that you guys have up front on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of history in terms of Washington offensive lines versus Giants defensive lines and Washington defensive lines versus Giants offensive lines. A lot of battles. Uh, Nick Filato, co-host of the Big Blue Banter podcast, which is an all-22 film-based pod about the Giants. Uh, Nick, thanks a lot. All the best. Yes, you too, Al. Take care. All right, good stuff from Nick Filato on the Giants. Who on the Commanders might be worthy of an underdog fantasy play for this game at the Giants this Sunday afternoon? Underdog fantasy, the no stress, no hassle, fun way to play fantasy sports. Underdog fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it is offering a limited-time enhanced special offer to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $500 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy offers pick'em games by which you can win up to 20 times on your money in one day and offers a pick'em insurance, which gives you a little wiggle room if you're not as confident in an entry. And when it comes to season-long fantasy, Underdog Fantasy offers a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be ultra-time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $500 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $500, you get $500 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. And that will do it. 
For you and me for now, keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday's show, episode 681, will provide you with more on the Commanders as they on Wednesday are beginning their practice week for their game at the New York Giants this Sunday afternoon at 1. We on Wednesday expect to hear from both head coach Ron Rivera and quarterback Sam Howell via press conferences. Also on Thursday's show, we'll talk Capitals. The Caps are at the Ottawa Senators Wednesday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. Brandon Scherf.